we're going to have a reading. So as uh, it's already been pointed out, our, uh, we're taking our thoughts for this morning from Acts chapter 2. And in a minute, uh, Mike is going to read to us uh, the first 13 uh, verses of Acts. So just to stick, uh, just to stick a bit of context uh, to the reading here. So, Pentecost, also called the Feast of Weeks, it's uh, an important Jewish festival that commemorated uh, the wheat harvest, but also uh, the uh, the commemoration of the anniversary of the day uh, God gave the Torah, the Jewish Bible, to Israel. And it's important, I think, if we just we hang on to that, we're commemorating a time when God gave the Torah to his chosen people, you know, the knowledge of God. It was an important festival like the Passover and the Tabernacles, where people came from all over the world to Jerusalem to celebrate the feast. It happens seven weeks after the Passover. What happened at the last Passover? The Lord Jesus Christ was crucified at the behest of a crowd that chose Barabbas and not him. The Lord Jesus Christ was resurrected and the 40 days he spent with them, with the disciples, he cared for them, he taught them, he built them up. And they were told the disciples to go and make disciples of all nations. And then he ascended. Back end of Acts 1. Jesus is no longer physically with the disciples. He's gone. Thank you, Mike. Will you read for us, please? Okay, Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire and that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men spe- are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? And how is each one of us who hears them in his own native tongue? Parthians, Medes, Alamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pam- Pamphylia, Egypt and the 
parts of Libya near Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. Thanks, Mike. So what's happening here? The disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit and then they were able to speak in a different language. What did the disciples do with the gift? They had a choice about what to do. At no point in that passage do we read anything about a coercion and they were forced to do something. They received the Holy Spirit. They received a gift from God, the ability to communicate to people who spoke different languages, who travelled from around the world to Jerusalem for the, to celebrate Pentecost. What did the disciples do with this gift? They spoke to anybody who would listen to them. Why wouldn't you? Just what, you know, imagine you've just woken up and you can speak Urdu, Russian, French, Spanish. Do you know? You'd want to play, wouldn't you? You'd want to play. You'd want to show off your new gift and your new talent. What did the disciples do? They declared the wonders of God. They talked to people of a different tongue about God. They preached. Who were they preaching for? They were preaching because God wanted them to preach. That's that's what they've been told to do, to spread the gospel. God was using these willing servants to reach out to people. We're going to take some bread and have some wine in a moment. And I don't know what it's like for you. For me, it's often a time of reflection. Sometime a time, sometimes a time of, of disappointment, sometimes a time of joy. Do you feel inadequate or unworthy today? Or do you feel joyous? There's every possibility that some of the people that we read about in this chapter in Acts were the the very same people that cried out for the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ, God's Son. Seven weeks beforehand. Does God want to call them? He does want to call them. He is in fact calling them. God loves 
the people in the crowd in Jerusalem. He wants them to know him despite what they have done. And the disciples, with the gift of the Holy Spirit, are the instruments that God has chosen to reach out to the people gathered for the festival. Despite what we have done and how imperfect we are, God is reaching out to us. When we look on the life and the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, the sacrifice of a father, the sacrifice of a son, we see God's love for us. We see our value to God. We see a better way to live. We see hope and we see salvation. We see grace and we see mercy and we see forgiveness. As our Father calls us to himself. Sylvia is going to uh, read uh, the second part of Acts chapter 2. I've asked her to read from verse 22 through to the end of the chapter and for the most part it is Peter preaching to the crowd and it's I think it's important for us to listen to his words and the chapter ends up with a description of how the early church acted which we'll also which we'll also look at in a little bit so Sylvia would you read for us please Acts 2 verses 22 to the end of the chapter men of of Israel listen to this Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will live in hope because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You fill me with joy in your presence. Brothers, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. 
But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of Christ, that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them, and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptised, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Thanks, Sylvia. So what we read in the rest of that chapter is a bold and a brave Peter who is confronting the crowds with the reality of the events that occurred seven weeks beforehand during the Feast of the Passover, where they clambered for the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. Doesn't pull any punches. He lets them know how it was. But he isn't doing it to... feel inadequate, depressed, unworthy. He's trying to teach them the reality of the situation. Whilst not removing their responsibility of what happened, he tells them it was part of God's plan. 
that Jesus would be handed over. So God knew what would happen, and he always has done, because it was his way of demonstrating his love for us and the value that we have. Verse 23, this man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to a cross. He convinces them that God is calling to them, that the Lord Jesus Christ was his son, that they should have listened to him. And they are convicted by what he says and the manner in which he says it. I love verse 40 of that chapter. He says, with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them. Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. He pleaded with them. Because I think that word, it invokes... It invokes a deep emotion, a deep longing for them to respond. And respond they did. 3,000 were baptised that day. 3,000 people responded to what the apostles did. Because they allowed God to work through them. So what did it look like? What does God working through you look like? We have an insight into that from from verse 42 onwards of that chapter. God was at the very heart of what they did. They prayed. They broke bread. They listen to the apostles' teaching. They are all spiritual exercises. They are all God-focused exercises. But then as a response to that, they loved each other. They practically cared for each other. They put themselves out for each other. They served each other. They sacrificed themselves for each other. They sold possessions for each other. They gave their time to each other. So what? Story from 2,000 years ago. But at the very centre of this passage, the, the, the theme that runs from start to finish, it's not about the apostles. It's not really about the people who are converted. It's about God calling out. God seeking relationship with his people. A loving and a gracious God seeking those who have gone astray. But it's also about the story of ordinary everyday people hearing God's call and committing their lives to him. Who were the disciples? They were fishermen and tax collectors. 
They weren't theologians. They weren't rocket scientists. They weren't clever people. They weren't rich people. They were ordinary, everyday people that opened their hearts and allowed Jesus to live in their hearts. And it changed who they were. It changed how they saw the world and life. It changed their priorities. And so for us today, we meet, we fellowship with God and his son with each other. We've taken bread and wine. We've remembered the love of God and of his son, the sacrifice made on our behalf. And we too have a choice. Exactly like the disciples did after they received the gift of the Holy Spirit. They had a choice. Look at our world. Even before Corona, it's a place of the people who have and people who have not. A, a place of injustice. It's always been in need. And the last few weeks has, has just shown that even more. Our world is in need. People need to know of God's love and peace. And we can be the vessels, the instruments through which that can be delivered. We, if we allow God to work through us, are able to bring comfort and to bring hope. And I guess the question is, have, having received this gift from God, the fact that we know of God's love and we know of the hope that we have, it's up to us then to choose what we do next. What we do with that gift that God has given to us in a time when there is so much need. God bless you.